You don't ever have to have seen Riverdale on the CW to know the show is an over-the-top, convoluted, absurd teen drama that makes the plot of Lost look like a straightforward roadmap. Not only is the series infamous for its ridiculous storytelling, this year, in its final season, the writers opted to reset everything, mind-wiping the characters, sticking them back in high school, and transporting them into the 1950s. On this podcast, we like to discuss the most recent installment of a different series every show. This time, we're looking at the highly anticipated Season 7 premiere, Don't Worry Darling, of Riverdale. It's Thursday, March 30th, and you're listening to today's episode. This show has no shame. Imagine, as a fan, watching six seasons, investing that amount of time trying to keep up with the plot, which, like, they say itself is, like, ridiculous. It's crazy. And then watching the characters grow, transition, become different versions of themselves, only for season seven to come along, delete it all, straight up advertise that they're doing that, and then tell people that they don't have to understand it to jump in. Well, I mean, I think that fans would be excited about that because it's almost like nostalgia in that way. When you get to season seven, a show can become stale pretty easily. So if every show that reached season seven, they just reverted back to like pilot premise and just went in a different direction. I know that they're not doing that here because they're obviously taking place, what, 70 years uh, in the past. I think they said 67 years in the episode or something like yeah. that. Um, it's called A Fresh Start, and I get that they're trying to pull in a new audience. They might even be trying to pull in their old audience who they lost along the way, those like disenchanted fans. From what I understand, at least, it seems like Riverdale after the first season, or probably like after the second season, started, yeah, the storyline, like you said, kind of became haywire, and a lot of people jumped off the bandwagon. Well, it's always had certain parts of the show that have remained consistent. Uh, sex, drama, chaos, endless plot twists. Like, even if you go back to first season, I'm pretty sure all of those are, are very present. And this season, I, I felt like, was just supposed to be Pleasantville. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that comparison. I also have a... I, I thought, really, this reminded me of the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Because of, um, especially in season two, when they 60, go back in time. They go to the 60s. They go to the 60s. 60s, but it was also kind of pulling in big issues like racism at the time. That's the big one that it pulled yeah, in. Yeah, as well as sexism for our, like Umbrella Academy. But also Dark as well, surprisingly. Because I remember in the season three premiere of Dark, they kind of almost redo the pilot. It just doesn't have the main character in it. Yeah, I find it hard to compare anything to Dark. I feel like Dark stands alone. But the difference between this show and the comics has always been that the comics took place in Riverdale, the idyllic community where uh, there's no mystery. It's just kind of like these kids hanging out or the mysteries are easily solved. It's like Scooby-Doo mm -hmm. almost. And this show was like a dark, angsty, edgy teen version <laughs> of it, full of mystery and just serial killers and everything you could stick in. I like that they are kind of making it more like the comic book version here, even though I didn't even read the comics. The guy who created the show, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, he's also the someone who like they called in when Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark wasn't working, and he rewrote that. Uh, he did Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, which we did for the podcast, yeah, I remember that. and he also created Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, he's the one who's kind of in charge of it. He's done interviews about this season, and oh, he I says mean, 
he says there's not going to be like a main villain as much as just the time period and society at that time. Well, there you go. I mean, Chilling, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is basically this show, kind of what they well, they're, did with they're that. literally connected. Like, they had crossover. They mentioned each other in each show. Oh, well, yeah, okay. That but, so, like, perfect. I don't think you understand how crazy Riverdale got, and I'm not, the like, I don't know too much about it, but I know last season they all had superpowers. Super? Yeah, yeah. no, no, because no, we see a quick, like, glimpse of that. When Bailey's comment or whatever it was, like, that woman is trying to hold it with all their strength. That might have been the guardian angel, but yeah. I'm not sure. But they all had superpowers, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, every single one of them was gifted a superpower. So this turned into, like, like, a superpower show. Almost kind of like, um, also Stranger Things Season 2, when they tried to introduce Mike those never had a well. superpower in Stranger Things. But... I'm saying when they introduced Eleven's, uh... Yeah, but they didn't well. introduce new characters with superpowers, so they gave the an original characters <laughs> superpowers. Yeah, anyways, but we're talking too much, I think, about the past, even though we've never seen it. We should talk about strictly this this episode, all right? And I do find it funny that it's labeled Don't Worry Darling. All of them are, like, titles to movies, and well, that movie just on, came out. Not only that, it actually, you know, they're mentioning Emmett Till. The Till movie came out in 2022, and then in the previews, they showed Elvis, and that movie came out in 2022 as well, and that was actually one of my pros. The references they're using are pretty recent. I mean, only a couple it's months It's somehow old. both pulling in from, like, old stuff, but also being recent. Like, well, modern versions of old things. It's funny you say that, because the first thing we see in the show is this record player and we see it continually move and i was like are they making fun of arcane i was like i was ready to get annoyed with it and then no it instead transitions straight into happy days well it didn't transition that's how happy days started too yeah. like the whole entire intro was a happy days intro and since i watched tv land as a kid and that was like over disney or nickelodeon i was just always a tv land guy <laughs> and yeah so that was that brought back some memories that was one of my favorite parts of the episode i thought that actually started out well i was like i was well, actually engrossed in it yeah they know? the references to i of lucy were there as well they brought up natalie wood it's always cool to see like molly ringwald from the 80s playing a <laughs> character she plays archie's mom um but uh oh really mary yes okay i guess if that's her name yeah. um but the storylines that are mainly going on in this episode is jughead trying to explain what happened to us the audience not even to the characters <laughs> the overall then also jughead trying to remind his friends who they are and where they're actually from so when the episodes focused on that i just wanted to comment on that really fast mm -hmm. i actually found it to be good and it focused on that for a good like 20 minutes and i was thinking am i actually going to give this riverdale episode like a passing grade because i actually did you like... came in there with a bias saying this is gonna suck. oh yeah or that this is gonna be so convoluted that I, i'm not gonna give it or i thought to myself it could possibly be like a gossip girl uh esque type tv show but no i was actually like i i really like the scene and we'll probably get there but when jughead is trying to convince all the other people that he's actually from the future when mm -hmm. it focused on those parts of the storyline i did enjoy the show unironically yeah, yeah yeah i also want to talk about that a lot but it's in my pros and cons um, the other two storylines I need to mention, though, is because Jughead is the narrator. I mentioned those first, but there's also Tony trying to get her article published about Emmett Till addressing racial discrimination in the school paper. Yes. However, since it's 1950, the principal doesn't want to do it. And then the last storyline, which is Veronica's, because she's just moved into town from L.A. and uh, they've exaggerated or she's exaggerating why she's there and uh then the truth comes out but she's also getting like hit on by like every guy yeah originally she said that she came to a small town because she's going to be an actress in a big movie and then it's revealed later on that well, she, she does have a connection yeah. like her mom and dad are the i love lucy like the ricky ricardo and mm -hmm. lucille ball of that time period i think her name is hermione and then her dad's name is he was like the villain of the first six seasons it doesn't matter for oh uh Hiram? okay um but yeah let's just 
go into pros and cons, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my first one was the Happy Days intro, mm-hmm. the TV Land, the references to I Love Lucy. Like I think that that definitely stood out as a great way to begin a season, especially if you're reintroducing a completely different um personality to the characters that you've already defined yeah and i'm not sure if you agree with this but even the narration when jughead was like you're saying talking to the audience because the first thing he's talking about is kind of the emmett till uh situation as well because it's right after the trial took place his girlfriend in the past or in the other is tabitha Tabitha, so so it makes sense that he would go directly there since she is black yeah and even then that narration when he was like describing all that stuff i didn't find too bad the first scene actually made me like interested in what the rest of it wasn't overwhelming it didn't take yeah. 20 minutes for him to explain what went on. It, <laughs> I said it in the intro. So, yeah, it was in the introduction also of each character. Archie, Betty, Jughead, Veronica, Cheryl, Tabitha, Tony, Julian, Kevin. That sounds like a lot of names, but it really isn't. Um, I feel like we got a good initiation from all of them. And uh, we were really lucky because any other episode, I feel like, would have been so heavy <laughs> on the plot that, like, we wouldn't have known anybody. And they described their connections for us. It's... It, it, that's not the norm for the show is what I'm trying to say. And so that's a pro for so this So they kind of toned down the complexity, I guess. Again, it's an introduction for not only yeah. those who are continuing, who've watched it the whole way through, but also for the, that new audience that they want to bring aboard. One of my pros I had for the show, much like Umbrella Academy, and you can probably point to any other show that takes place in the past as well, was just the costume design and set design. It was incredibly colorful. It reminded me almost of the Saved by the Bell reboot. And I thought, and it was like just really pleasing to look at. Yeah. Yeah, and that goes along with what I was talking about with the um, being accurate with the comics, because the costumes were certainly way more like themselves in the comic books, down to um, Jughead's hat or whatever that is, the thing that he... I could not and, get and over the that. S on his shirt. That whole episode, he just had that thing on his head. It was so distracting <laughs> to me. But that's the comic. You got the timeline, the Archie's vehicle, the 1950s vernacular, all of that super comic booky. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree. That is another pro. Um, I also like that it still retains some of the CW-ness that makes it different. You know, like it still had the mystery. It still had a little bit of the sex, but mostly the mystery element was there because of Jughead knowing what was going on. Right, exactly. If he didn't know what was going on, then I feel like this would have made a way worse episode. Oh, yeah. Because it would have just been like... I don't know. It, it, well, it would, nothing to guide us. Nothing to keep us afloat. Again, he's the main character, so he you're feels able like to the main see character. everything kind of through his eyes. And I think Jughead was my favorite character. I think he's kind of supposed to be, but also because Cole Sprouse, I grew up watching Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and it was like my favorite show. In you fact, still watch it? <laughs> no, I'm just absolutely not. But I'm actually going to see his brother Dylan Sprouse in a movie in the next coming uh, couple of days. So cool. I found that like funny as well. Yeah. Um. Get to your next bro. Okay. I yeah. So it actually, again. It deals with the important issues of race and also it, it like the references the James Dean car as well. Even though that storyline, I didn't really see how it was going to fit into place because Archie's mom doesn't want him driving it to school because of the way that James Dean. The hot died. rod. I found that I found that funny. But also, I even though it was only like two scenes, I thought that it kind of introduced Mary and Archie well. Like oh, you mean their their relationship, their relationship, the mom, their and, chemistry, yeah, the son, and yeah, because his dad had passed away in the war. They said it was the Korean War. I yep. think it's probably different in the first few seasons. Um, I want to shift gears and then talk about a little bit at the end. This was my next pro was when the other Tabitha arrived. So you have two versions of Tabitha: one who is brain wiped like everybody right. else. And then you have guardian angel Tabitha, who Jughead has been searching out this whole time. And she arrives, um, and he's happy to see her because they've had a relationship. 
And then uh, it just, when she explained what was going on and then she opened the door to what she needed to do, she said, I need to go to all the different places in our timeline and change certain things or see if they're changing. And that opens the door kind of like Avengers, it, the one with Thanos, uh, where, is that Endgame? Where they go yeah. back in time yeah, and you game. see scenes from the earlier movies. That I would actually... be so cool. If they that just the idea of that potential possibility makes me put this in a pro because I think that that would be really cool to watch Tabitha's character interacting and they the characters themselves having to react scenes that they've already done. So you know what I actually uh, when Tabitha showed up at the very end of the episode I had that listed and solicited as a con but now that you say that it does seem like that could be a cool direction for the show. I know that the Venture Bros before it got canceled kind of was setting up for an episode like that anyways. Yeah. But yeah, being able to always see uh, like old scenes recreated is definitely cool and yeah. I, just knowing that might be a possibility now i actually might change that to a pro yeah. okay uh, i have two more uh pros do you have any uh no I okay so that. i'll just go through mine sometimes it's annoying to see kids playing teens at this point though with like uh, taking the justification for it mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> into consideration in that it's season seven and how old they actually are <laughs> i find it hilarious i give it a pro because the only thing that I would want to see more is if they cast some 14-year-olds to be walking the hall <laughs> so that it was like the Wet Hot American Summer remake. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. that would be awesome. <laughs> I, well, Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> just, I, yeah. I do have to say, though, the show has justification for that. Yeah. Like, you can actually give it more of a pass than other shows or movies that for do sure. the same thing. Yeah, and because they didn't do what I just said, it, it makes it seem <laughs> a little bit more realistic. But when they were being taught by the teachers or Archie was being scolded, by his mom it did make me just Archie, like you are Archie 25 so to 30 old. years yeah, old I was like there's no the way. actor's actually younger than most of the rest of the cast he's only like 25 so really? he started when he was like 18 so it's like even Cole Sprouse I think he's like 30 years old I think I think it's because he dyes his hair and it just makes him look a little <laughs> strange but it also makes him look comic booky so that's why I think they cast him that way my last pro though is the scene you were talking about earlier Jughead scene the one where he not only has to explain to everybody who they actually are by trying to use a um a time capsule that he finds, yeah. which I have no idea why the time capsule would still exist in this like parallel universe. He explained but that really well, but the, yeah. No, no, but what I liked about it was they first meta critiqued, uh, like he meta critiqued their own franchise when he was going through every single character and who they were. Mm -hmm. and, and so like he was able to point out the plot holes almost. And then he got to Kevin who in the show has always been gay, but now he's dating this other, and he had to like wiggle around that <laughs> by being like, you really like musicals and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So I'm sure that's going to be the next societal issue that they're going to confront at some point. But more importantly, when he gets to trying to explain what modern the day modern life, day life yeah, and he yeah. struggles so that hard, like who part, hasn't yeah. run through that thought experiment in their head? If it's like somehow you became a time traveler and you were in this cool adventure and you had the blast back in the past and you met someone that you really wanted to talk to and you wanted to explain the truth. How would you convince them? And he goes about it just about as well as you could if you were doing it on he the brings fly. Up, he brings up smartphones. I mean, yeah. that's a smart idea. But at the same time, he probably, if he had really thought about it, could have brought up some like events that occur that are more yeah. realistic or more close to that timeline so that it seems more realistic. Yeah, some, something like maybe 10 years out. Still, really fun scene to watch. So yeah. that was my last pro. Um, and yeah, let's transition over to cons right now. But how are you feeling just from the pros? Like, does that does that carry enough weight to pass the show? Uh, to me, the episode? no. 
No, okay. All right. So let's segue into cons. What's your first one? Uh, it was very heavy handed, especially when it got later into the episode. I think that racism is fine if you want to like address that in your show. It's a serious problem. But the way that the show went about it, I felt was so preachy, especially by the end. Like when Tony and I forgot uh, her friend's name that she's kind of with in the episode. But when they like decide to read Betty? the poem, uh, it might be Betty. Which one are you talking about? Betty's the one who's in charge of the paper. Um, who's who's the like the main love interest of Archie and then uh, uh, Tony is obviously the one who wrote it yeah and then Cheryl's the one who was on the announcement okay so that was Betty yeah because that's what I was saying when like Tony but Tony it's the one that reads the poem by uh by Tennessee no it wasn't Tennessee Williams by Langston Langston Hughes yeah Yeah, that's who it was and I thought that like the fact that that poem was somehow able to change the whole entire school's perspective on everything I just I found that like so unbelievable and again kind of preaching and ham-fisted okay all right no I I sort of agree with you there that was sort of my second con but i do have a little bit more to say about it first of all all episode tony is trying to get her article published which is great right Right. she's written this really eye-opening well-written uh very important piece that she wants everybody to be able to read and i think she's going about it the right way going to betty because betty's going to side with her and betty finally realizes um how much this means right Mm -hmm. and so she puts her own like neck on the line and says i will go ahead and publish this and that's when tony has this revelation she says no and at that point, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> this, this is exactly what you need to do. And, 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 but she's like, I know better. What we need to do is on the announcements, on the morning announcements, state a poem. Yeah, it, it didn't make, it didn't make it, much sense it at was, all. It, what upset me about it is like maybe in the 1950s, morning announcements are different or stand in a higher regard than they do nowadays. But if you were anything like the morning announcements that <laughs> I attended in my high school, when like you would be sitting in class, it would be so bright and early. 75% of the kids would be zoned out. They wouldn't even be looking at the TV, right? Mm-hmm. And this is yeah. on the intercom, so you don't even get that visual stimuli. You're just listening to something that you hear every single day. And they come on and they, they drone on for a while. If they came on and they said, we're going to now give a little poem, I feel like you would lose that remaining 25%, at least by half. Yeah. And, the, and without, let's say, the non-diegetic parallel background music, this yeah. would not have been the King's speech. <laughs> but because it did have the music swell... And because everybody was shown looking at the speaker fondly and like gravitatingly like pulling in this information, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It worked. So not not for, for me as the audience member, I was like, oh, I still think you should have You're just published for the it. But for yeah. the class, of course, it's going to work. And that's where I think your, uh, your actual con was like more the Hollywoodization of whenever they do a 1950s plot now or 1960s plot whenever they go into the past kind of like with umbrella academy they feel like they have to bring up racial discrimination and that's completely fair and it should be talked about but then they always feel like they need to fix it yeah in some way and jughead's thing makes it even worse at the very end because he's like all they had to do was read this poem over the announcements and we sped up equality by 20 years and i was just like that's an insult that is, yeah no that's honestly. an insult to discriminate like the way that how strong and stubborn that has been in the like the idea that ugh. yeah so I, I agree that is a con for me um, I think she should have just taken Betty up on the offer. You said you had a con before, before that, that right? though. It was kind of also the Jughead scene at the very end when he when he forgets his memories. Yes, that's the final twist, right? Yeah. Is that Tabitha, the guardian angel, Tabitha says, "You're messing this all up. 
I need to be able to do my thing, but you need to forget. And so they make out and he forgets. But also, I wanted to bring up that makeout scene really fast. They copied Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him, the very ending where a kiss apparently makes you forget your memory. And it just felt so CW anyways that I was like, I was kind of zoning out by that. Point. Oh, I didn't mind the kiss. It was the fact that he still remembered for a little bit and he didn't just grab a napkin and start jotting away. He had to go running all the way home and get on his typewriter thinking, I can't forget, I can't forget, I can't forget. <laughs> you had so much time to just grab a pen, find a pen, start jotting notes down. And obviously, by the time he got to the typewriter, he wrote three words. And the three words he decides to do don't even help him. <laughs> like Bend it, towards justice. Yeah, it doesn't help you. Also, why do you put the period after every May, single yeah, one? <laughs> he was really trying to like, I go to... <laughs> I'm not going to forget any of this. <laughs> but like he didn't even say like ask Archie about what I said or like something that would tr remind him that he'd already kind of given away to some people what he believed. Well, it which would have at least like raised his suspicion. It wasn't only that. It was the fact like I had as my uh, pro again that Cole Sprouse Jughead being my favorite character was because he knew so much about the time and he was the only one that knew what was going on. I don't know how many episodes this season is supposed to be but now we're now whoever is going to be watching the show for the rest of the season has to deal with so many episodes and so many scenes of characters that literally have no idea and you don't even have Jughead there to, to really like help you with the plot because he doesn't remember anything either yeah it has implications on the show as a whole because like you just said it makes it really interesting when they had a dynamic where one person was aware you could really side with that person put your mind in that to that person because you are that audience member yes who has gone with him through that journey but now i feel like they've nerfed him but i feel like they can't nerf him for too long like this is now going to be a whole arc of who's going to remember first or how they're going to get back to their old lives it's just going to take yeah, a lot longer now. It can't really be Jughead, can it? Cause they, they, gave, they, they, they gave themselves an excuse as writers to kind of concentrate on the weaker elements. Mm -hmm. Now that Jughead's out of the way, the only person who could really throw a wrench into things and solve things too quickly. But the way he wants to solve it is get Archie and Betty to make out over the bed. <laughs> Archie and Betty don't even have a relationship really too much in this in this world. He, Archie is once again into Veronica. And from what I understand, he had gotten over her by the time there, season six was There's one other thing that happens at the very end of the episode. It's the last thing we see is Jughead picking up his beanie which i guess he had been looking for throughout the episode no the opposite just... it was in the time capsule originally and he knew that it was missing but then by the time That's that, right. he, that yeah. he picked it up on the i think it's a metaphor for his memories like those are where the memories are stored almost like and, and once i don't know it, obviously once they touch it it doesn't make a difference yeah. but like it just signifies that they've forgotten um it does also feel like one of the cons that I have here is that Veronica was supposed to be a sympathetic character. Like, obviously, she has a high living lifestyle, but she was lying and she was called out by that lie from Cheryl, who was jealous of her. And but she still has a bunch of guys who are fawning over her. She still has parents who are super rich. And as much as she wants to sell the fact that like, oh, they ditched me. They left her in a really super nice apartment by herself as a high schooler, just getting to do whatever she wants. They're still checking in on her, too. Still checking in like, on her. Midway through I feel the like episode, most high schoolers yeah. would take that 100% of the time. The only rule they put down is don't allow boys to the apartment. Right. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, the actress's age, again, plays a factor. And like, when I'm watching this, I'm like, you're a full-blown adult. You don't need your parents <laughs> calling you to say or feel bad about your parents not seeing them every single day. Um, yeah. 
the show introduced so many different characters. Yeah, and again, I'm a first-time watcher that it, I didn't feel like some of the characters that eat headlines this episode didn't, got the time of day. It really only focused on, like, five characters. Oh, we have, like, a reverse protocon then. Yeah, because remember in my pros, I said that it was easy for us to understand the characters, but not for you? Uh, well, I'm saying that I guess felt like some of them... I, I know that for people who have watched a television show, they know these characters sure. well. So this is really... But who did you feel was, like, underrepresented? And I'm not talking about the parents. I didn't even get some of the names. That's That's... Oh, like, yeah, but, like, the people themselves. Like, you could tell that, like, I'm trying to think of the weakest ones here. Cheryl and her brother, Julian, right? When yeah. He, yeah. Her brother, Julian, I didn't really get a good But he of. does, like, um, you you got that he likes Veronica, right? Yeah, and who was the person that Archie was uh was kind of competing against? Was that Julian as well? The one yeah. that, yeah. For okay. Veronica. Again. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The red hair sticks out, that's why. They're all redheads. <laughs> Another thing that they all are, or at least their families are, are is connected to some form of media or local, like like okay veronica's parents were big time hollywood right yes, yeah. and then betty's parents were local media big and yeah. then and, like, they, and they are the ones also who like when tony comes to them are like no we're not going to read the the thing on it the, it just felt like and then also uh cheryl's parents also she seemed the mom there seemed like she was super important yeah. too so it was like everybody's a really super rich kid back in the 1950s i don't <laughs> weird and then except for that i more have questions than anything else one question I have that may turn into a con is Tabitha, because with her guardian angel version going off into a different universe, and so she's no longer going to be there, and then also the other version of her in this timeline going off on, like, the Emmett Till, um, like, they're doing some sort of state-by-state -state thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. they're, yeah. they're going state-by-state -state and doing uh, parades, and or not parades, you know what I'm saying. But they're kind of writing her out in a way. And so some fans have speculated that possibly she's just not going to be there. And that would take away from the potential of the character. And it would also make me like, you've taken away Jughead. You've taken away the Guardian Angel. Now you're just left with the 1950s plot. What are you going to do with that? No, I, I agree. Drama? That's what that, well, that's why I was thinking, especially when you were talking about like the, uh, the episode or possibly episodes where we could see her go into all these different time periods. She's, she's definitely going to be gone, I feel like, or that version of her is going to be gone for a majority of the season and i would say we're not going to see her till the very end of the season uh, mm. either that would suck I, I think that's a bad decision if that's true it was weird also that the bailey's comet still existed in this uh, world or whatever but it's two years out or why yeah. the time capsule still exists um do you think they're going to go through two years in the in this or do you think it's going to be like a five or six episodes thing and then they're going to i know i think the bailey's comment uh, i think it's going to happen at the end of the season i think that yeah it's going to probably be two years it's, this season's going to go through two years probably all right my other comparison for the show because we brought up umbrella academy is lock and key there are so many times where high schoolers in that show who still remember start forgetting or their parents forget and they have to try to convince them that things are real that mm -hmm. are crazy and so that's what it felt like with Jughead was that he was trying to convince a bunch of people who had just like lost their memories because that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. Altogether, though, I really enjoyed this episode. Wait, what? Hold on. Yeah. You're going to give it a passing grade? Oh, I'm going to give it an eight because I think an eight. the episode itself, not the show, the show could as a whole be as awful as, as anything because of the convoluted storytelling. But I think this specific episode, anybody can come in and enjoy because of how, as long as they realize what CW is, 
they'll sit in this and they'll be like, well, this is kind of a fun I little just, genre. I mean, there's there's so much that has been done in other CW shows. You know, like even like when you talk about random parts, such as even Jughead uh, like burying up the time capsule, and then there's like an ominous figure that's kind of like staring at him and yeah, like the kiss and all that stuff. But we do stuff. so it's many so... pilots where it feels like everybody's still kind of acclimating to one another. They don't actually know each other. These characters felt like they'd been in a show for seven years together, but now I'll they were- Yeah, I'll give you that, but I I mean, so still, they, that, is, that is not the grade I'm going to give this. Thing. I mean, I'm just saying that I would recommend this specific episode to people to just hang out and watch as, as for fun, you know? And and then after that, don't watch the rest of the show. It's like the reverse. I'm not saying I see potential for the show because I, I don't really, but I see I see this episode as kind of a standout fun one to have watched, and I feel like I know the show better because of it. I'll, I'll say also one comparison I didn't say for this show is it reminded me of School Spirits. I'm going to give it a lot lower score than you would. Like I said, if they focus on the time, uh, like timeline storyline, time, time story I maybe could have given it a pass. I'm going to give it like a 5 out of 10. Yeah, you said but, that sort of when you said that you weren't going to pass it earlier, <laughs> and I was like, maybe I can convince them if we go through all the little facts. But apparently not. Oh, Katie with... Keen. Katie Keen as well. We did that show. Well, that's a spinoff. We did, yeah. But we did that show so long ago that you can't even find the podcast that we did for it as of now. But uh, the like writing and the costuming definitely reminded me of that as well. That Which was is weird on, because like, that was based on a comic book series as well, right? Yes, Katie Keen is a character in Archie. They're literally oh, I forgot. Connected. I forgot that seriously a spinoff. And also, I remember the game that we played in that where. I said that, like, because it's all DC Universe. Mm -hmm. And so the multiverse does exist to a certain extent. Uh, she met she met the Punisher, I think, and they, like, hung out. and they you went mean Marvel. To, like, yeah. Punisher's Marvel. What? Yeah. Then it, there was... she No, she did meet the Punisher. No, though. I remember you saying the Punisher, yeah. And then she threw a cake at him instead of, like, having a fight with him or something. <laughs> yeah. I guess it is Marvel? No. The, I, maybe they're connected. You know, sometimes, like, there's weird crossovers and stuff. I'd, I'd have to go back to that one. Wow. Good memory. Um, anything else you want to say about it, though, besides that? Five out of ten, I give it an eight out of ten. I'm saying go watch this specific episode if you're just looking to see it an is, episode of Riverdale. It is an episode that, like, I would probably, like you're saying, recommend to people who have never seen an episode of it anyway. Sure. But, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I, I'm kind of done. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.